Avinu Vimalkeinu, our Father and our King Lord, we thank you for this um, this evening, for this full house, for people uh, exploring you in all forms and fashions, Lord. And we pray for the uh, <clears throat> the class next door that there would be a bonding and and a growing there. That uh, Michael would uh, be able to impart your word to folks who are exploring um, your vision for them and, and see if it, if it lines up with what you have us doing here at Yeshua Tzion, Lord, so we pray for your will to be done there. We pray also for um, our time here as we look into your, your word, into Galatians, Lord, and we just pray, Lord, that we would take something uh, something that we didn't have when we came in uh, out with us today, Lord, do something to edify us and to grow us in our walk with you. We just to thank you for this time in Yeshua's name. Amen. Okay, so everyone's got some notes, and uh, notes are a little more um, narrative style for you to go home and look at. I'll go over, pretty much going to try to use this as the, the form as we go through. And was, it, was anyone not here last week? I know Bill and Tracy weren't here last week. Was anyone else not here last week? No, everyone else was here. Um, so we're going to do a little more. You know, I have a few things I just kind of wanted to review and then maybe see if there was something that stood out uh, to you from last week as well. Um, and then we'll move on a little bit. But just from, just from last week, um, if you remember the book of Galatians, um, fancy word for these books written by Paul are epistles, which are just letters. And there's some things that we can um, equate to our modern understanding of letters. And there's some things that we that we can't, and so we need to be careful with that. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that here in one particular area. But Galatians is one of those letters. It's also called uh, an occasional letter. You know, we write so many letters nowadays. And we, we call them emails, but even if you write, you know, write letters, we write so many we just fire them off. But usually, there's a reason for writing a letter. You got to have some reason to write it. Um, probably not the kind of stuff that Paul's writing about, but Occasionally, it's always important to understand and remember that, that these are occasional letters. Um, writing a letter was a lot of effort, and there was reasons behind it. And we also used that word polemic last week, if you recall the word polemic. Um, but Galatians was written for a specific occasion, that's the occasion part, in order to refute or argue against a specific situation or idea. And that's what polemic means. Um, and you'll hear that a lot in biblical studies because you know, some people will argue that all kinds of things are polemics. You know, even There's even the thought that uh, the book of Genesis, you know, um, the beginning of Genesis, is not actually a thoroughbred creation account meaning telling us everything there is to know about creation, but it's actually a polemic against other creation accounts or other uh, you know, Mesopotamian, Mesopotamian gods and things like that. So um, that's what a polemic is, and that's what we, we believe Galatians is as well, arguing about a specific <coughs> situation or an idea. And because of that, it's important to remember that, yes, all Scripture is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training, but um, just like with this letter here in Galatians, it doesn't necessarily tell us every single thing on the topic. Um, I mean, I, I went through a lot of books this week, and there was more books that I could have gone through just on the book of Galatians, and it would just amaze you the, the depth and the level of um, investigation that goes on, yet at the end of the day, there's a lot of speculation, because not everything that Paul feels, for example, uh, and believes about Torah and about tradition and about uh, ritual and custom is all contained in this letter because that's not what the point of the letter was. The letter had a real specific reason. So we're, we, I talked about some of that last week, and I'm going to kind of talk about some of those same things this week because I think it's important for us to have that foundation as we go forward because I don't believe we're going to be rushing through this book. I think we're going to be studying this uh, into the spring. Uh, we're not going to go for years like we did with the book of Matthew, but we can spend a lot of time in Galatians. We'll go beyond when the, the membership class is done over there and everything. Um, so that, that's where we're going to look at some other themes. Remember that overall, one of Paul's concerns in Galatians and elsewhere is really for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of fellowship uh, between believers, between Jews and Gentiles specifically. I talked last week about, you know, who was this letter? And every time you, you study a letter, you think, hey, when the, the, the popular 
things to do are to decide, okay, when was the letter written? Um, who was it written to? Where was it written? What was the, the literary genre? All these things that you probably never thought twice about when you read, uh, I never thought twice about you know, reading the Bible before the school for the Bible, but all this kind of stuff. Um, but what is the purpose? What is the, the, the theology behind the letter? But again, Paul's concern here um, is for the sake of the gospel and fellowship to Jews and Gentiles. And I say the Jews and Gentiles because remember last week Kyle was saying, who, who was the letter being written to? And who are these people that Paul's referring to here when he says, you know, the, uh, I'm writing this to you as well as I'm kind of supported by the members of God's family who are with me, i.e. Jews. Those are people that we read about in Acts 13. We might look at that again because Acts is very good for context. Uh, you know, you read a Bible, you read a, a book in isolation, you read a passage in isolation, but it's always tied to a bigger section. If you read some verses, they're tied to some verses around it. They're tied to what comes before, what comes after. They're tied to what the whole book is about, and ultimately they're tied to all of Scripture. And in a lot of cases, other cases, they're tied to other historical events outside of Scripture. Um, and so the people that Paul's writing to are believers in Yeshua. Now, what kind of believers in Yeshua are they? Uh, Probably some, some Jewish believers in Yeshua. There are some, uh, and there's all kinds of different words we can use for the other types of folks there are. There are um, uh, people who have joined themselves to the Jewish people. Um, and there, then there are also what are called, those, those being Gentiles, but now that are part, officially part of the community. Then there are people who, have, who now are complete Gentiles who are now joining themselves to, and often called God-fearers. We talked about all those, those people. And Paul's concern is for the relationship of all those people, and for some reasons that I'll get into as we go along. Um, but if you remember, even elsewhere, this is, this is important to keep this in mind because um, this is not always what people think Galatians is about. They want to they have a much more pointed reason as to what, what this book's trying to say. But if you remember in 1 Corinthians 9, for example, I put that in your notes, that's another example of, of what Paul was, uh, what his concern was. This is consistent with his concern. If you remember 1 Corinthians 9, this is where he talks about, you know, some people think he's kind of this um, situational ethics kind of person, and he says, you know, to the Jew, Jew, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those outside the law, I became a, someone outside the law. You know, if you were uh, weak, I became weak, uh, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, some, sometimes the thought there bothers people. They think that Paul is being um, deceptive, or Paul's being a, a chameleon kind of being Jewish when, it, when it's convenient, um, taking, taking off and on his Jewishness like you would a t-shirt and so forth. But you see there in 1 Corinthians 9, as I think we'll see here in Galatians, is that Paul's behavior and his philosophy is not at all deceptive or anything, but it is born out of a concern and a love for other people. But Paul was always Jewish. It wasn't that he was decidedly not becoming Jewish in this particular situation and so forth. That's not what that's talking about, and that's not what's being talked about in Galatians either. Um, we see here that we also saw that Paul, in his address uh, here in Galatians, the way he starts off his letter, his greetings, he makes it clear that his authority is from God. He makes that very explicit. But he also understands that although he is under God's authority, received revelation directly from God, um, that he is in submission, called by the Holy Spirit, that he also was appointed by earthly authorities. And that was from, from Acts 13 when he was sent out. And again, this is, you know, if you remember last week, Chaim said that we, we need to, you know, we often like to take, and I, I admit I'm, I'm this way, we like to nicely box things up and put a label on them and say this is what this means, this is what this is about, and this is what was going on here, and this is what Paul said. And you'll, you'll read that in a lot of commentaries, and if you hear anyone say that, I mean, Scripture is clear in many areas, very clear. In other areas, it's not as clear, but that's where you end up having to sometimes just zoom out and say, you know, what's really being talked about here? I'm not exactly sure of all this stuff, but what's Paul's concern or what's going on here? Um, because, again, he, it's, a, it's often a both and, and there's some nuances. And the both and here is that Paul is very clearly saying, I am uh, called by God. No human, no human gave this to me. I mean, is getting the gospel from a human a bad thing? And if you consider that when you're reading the first, these couple verses here, Paul says, look, this is the gospel I got, and nobody taught it to me. I did not get it from humans. How many of y'all did not get the gospel from a human? So you're all just, you know, you're, this, what did we do wrong, right? Paul says he got it from a human. That seems to be the way to go. The point is it's a both and, right? He got his, he got his calling, and he got this gospel from the Holy Spirit, from Revelation, from God himself, and also from the brothers, right? 
Uh, and you see him being in submission throughout the book of Acts, other things that he does. He does, you know, he doesn't tell anybody that tells him to do something, you know, go get your haircut, go, go, do, go do this, uh, this vow. He doesn't say talk to the hand. He actually does these things. He's under, he's under some authority there. So it's a both hand. It's a both hand situation. Um, well, wait, you go get that. I'm just teasing you. So, um, so this week we're gonna. That was just some stuff. Anything was there anything from last week that stood out to you specifically that you'd like to mention? If you were here, by the way, those are just some of the things that I I had taken some notes on. Some things I thought were important to review. But anything that that you got to be, you know, that made you think last week or that was uh, stood out to you that you'd like to share? Well, Galatians is kind of unique uh, compared to the other letters from Paul that. Uh, in all the other letters that he writes to groups, mm-hmm. in the first chapter, at the beginning, he says, thank you. Mm-hmm. I always pray to God, thanking him for this or that. Uh-huh. Thing. Um, and I, I checked last week and looked up the Romans, Corinthians, and mm-hmm. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. There's, I don't know how you, G-E-P-C, General Electric Power Company. No, it's, it's actually not. It's Gentiles Eat Pork and Crabs. <laughs> Just so you know. And, and, and the Thessalonians. Now that you're part of the, the Thessalonians. Um, and, and he says thank you to him. But, but for, the, for the Galatians, man, he just gets into it. Like, yeah. like you know, what, the, I'm amazed that you're so quickly yeah. turning from this good right. news to a different good news. And this is good. Someone else may have a comment, but I want to stop here because this is a perfect segue as if you were looking at my notes almost, Steve. But, um, because this is true. But a lot is made of this, if you read commentaries. A lot of, a lot of people say, oh, this is such a departure from Paul's normal thing. They make a real big point of that. Now, the fact of the matter is, and there are, again, there, is, there are differing views on this, but a, a, a fairly a widely accepted view is that this is actually the first letter Paul ever wrote, the oldest letter. And in addition to that, it, it, it took place, or this letter was written, before the Acts 15 Council. You think, well, why is that important? Well, that's actually very important in this exact discussion, because on the one hand, yes, this is, this is, a dip, this is different. I don't want to say departure, because there was nothing to <coughs> depart from, if it's the first letter, right? If it's the first letter, you can't say, well, that's different than all your other letters. What do you mean? I ain't written any other letters yet. This is my first one. So this, this, this likely, you take the early date um, uh, of Galatians, which, uh, from what I read, it, it seems very reasonable to me. It lines up historically with everything. If you do that, then, then yes, the introduction is very different. But any teaching about how they're different, that should be kind of minimized, I think. Unless you're convinced that it's not this first letter, then okay, fine. That's, that's very, you know, very, very, uh, very critical, not critical, but it's very, uh, you can highlight that difference. Um, but again, I think that there were no, if, if, it's, if it's early, then there's nothing to compare it to. Um, but it is fine to note those things, which you did, which is fine. So, but, And they must be new Christians. I mean, they, they haven't been Christians for 30 years, right? They, I, I don't know how many years. That's primarily, these primarily are probably new believers. And yeah. We'll talk about what. It was to make sure they get off on the right foot. Yes, yes. And any, any, other, any other things we want to share from last week or things or, that you, that struck you or anything? No, I'll keep going. Um, Okay, so this week, again, I want to I want to continue. Um, we'll, we'll look at a few of the of the scriptures as well. However, um, I do want to kind of go over some more of just the general themes. We do have a few new folks here with us. I'll do that for, the, for their sake as well as ours uh, to get a, a good foundation to talk about what Galatians is about, at least what we think it's about, and what things are clearly that it's clear about, and things that it is not about. And I just find that it seems that not just with Galatians, but a lot of times, you know. I'm studying topics, or even in seminary, I'm having to study topics that, quite frankly, I'm like, well, wait a minute, I, I get to a point where I'm like, who said this is what I need, who said this is the question? Like, why do I have to determine who Paul is talking about in Romans 7? If he's talking about a believer or a non-believer, when he says, I don't do what I want to do, and I do what I want to do. And there's books and chapters written about this, and I have to determine which is it. And I go nuts after hours and hours of reading and reading and reading, and then I feel like, wait a minute, why, why is this a question? You know? <laughs> And, and so often that, that's kind of the, the, the case, I think, when we decide, you know, we're, we're so focused on what we think, you know, the, like, in, in this case, I'm reading Galatians to find out if I'm supposed to keep kosher or not. Well, the fact that you're looking for that question, I think, sometimes is the problem, in my, in my opinion. 
So I want to explore some of those themes about what Galatians might be clearly talking about and maybe what, what we've held on to before and quite frankly, maybe not talking about. And I put in your notes that you know, the usual question, if you, um, you know, I know I, w- I won't name names, but someone in this room, and I'm sure maybe it's happened, multiple people have uh, had said their family thinks that they're in a cult, you know, they think it's kind of weird, what's going on? And so um, usually if somebody finds out you're, you're in a, uh, if they're a believer, they find out you're in a Messianic Jewish congregation, um, or, or you're a Messianic Jew or non-Jew, the question is, sometimes the question comes up to you, well, have you read, have, have you read Galatians? You know, it's kind of a loaded question. Like, haven't you read Galatians? Is sort of the question, right? How did I read it? I did write, I wrote it that way. You know, haven't you read Galatians? And what's the, what's the, um, the pregnant, what's pregnant in that question, you think? The Judaizers. Uh-huh. Judaizers? Are they trying to figure out which side you land on, whether you keep kosher or whether you disregard the law? Okay. Torah's been superseded. Yeah. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. All that kind of stuff. I mean, I think the idea is, the assumption is, is that if you had regulations, and if everyone ever says to you, read it carefully, Beware, that's a red flag. You gotta, if you read it carefully, the assumption is if you, if you have read Galatians and you've read it carefully, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, then you, you would certainly not be attempting to keep the law or you would not be attempting to practice some form of, of Judaism. That's sort of the, the, uh, the assumption there. And then I, I put in your notes sometimes, what, what are our answers to that? And I put down some of the, 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 the usual answers. I, I probably could put usual suspects for all these things, but... The usual answers are, you know, well, you know, Paul was just warning about legalism. That was his focus. Or that, you know, really what Paul's talking about is just the oral law. That's what he's speaking against. Or Paul was just arguing against man-made tradition. The man-made tradition specifically here of ritual conversion. Those are kind of the standard answers. Sometimes the answers you give are even different. Like, I don't know, I don't like Galatians. Actually, I wish it weren't in the Bible. And, you know, some New Testament, you know, Kind of Marcion, he kind of diced up the New Testament. People historically have done that kind of thing. So you can go a couple different ways with that. But what about what do you think about those those answers there? Kind of the usual answers. Are they wrong? Are they complete? Are they just incomplete? Anything good, bad, or ugly about those kind of answers? Giving those kind of answers? Well, you said it already. It's a both and. It's not one or the other. Yeah. Any other thoughts about those answers? Like Paul was just arguing about legalism or oral law or. Yes. I think a lot of times we try we, we try to interpret it based on what the here and now, uh-huh. our culture, our experience in life, and it was so different then, uh-huh. and it was the beginning of something new, mm-hmm. and just the frame of reference back then was totally different than us. Yeah. I think it's hard for us to put ourselves back into that time and understand it from that from that perspective. It is. It's a complete flip flop. On the one hand. I, I quoted it at the beginning, all scripture is useful, right? And we don't want to say, well, that was good for them, because that can lead into situational things, and we can change some things, and we're still very, very, the Word of God is very relevant, and exactly the same in so many ways today. On the one hand, on the other hand, what Judy said is absolutely right. I mean, especially in this situation, when you think about it, this was a case of Gentiles being pressured to become Jewish. I can tell you from experience, it happens the other way nowadays. But no matter what, uh, no matter which side you pick, if you're messianic, you fall in the middle. Oh boy, you, no man's and land. And that's that's like a no man's land. <laughs> yeah, this is often where we wrestle. And, you, and, and fortunately, there's some good uh, messianic Jewish scholarship coming out in, in, in these books. There's some good authors. Um, one that I am gave me. Well, I tell you this, I won't recommend any thoroughbred commentaries to you, but I would recommend a book, if you have not got it, which deals with a lot of these kind of issues, and, and the book of Galatians, is by uh, um, uh, Daniel Juster. Does everyone have Daniel Juster's book called Jewish Roots? That's a, that's a must-have for your library if you do not already, um, Daniel Juster. But these are some of the answers. Again, we kind of figure, which side am I going? I'm trying to you know, make, make sort of excuses up. And... I read a, uh, another commentary that was given to me uh, this week. I read the introduction, and in this introduction, this commentary, this is what I put under the usual play. I don't know why I call it the usual players, but in this commentary, in the introduction, uh, it talked about you know, here are the things that Paul is going to deal with in the book of Galatians. 
And, and, and this, is, this is a direct quote from what he said. He's going to deal with grace versus law. He's going to deal with freedom versus bondage, faith versus works, and the spirit versus flesh. This is what this author said um, was, the, was the, the reason for the writing what Paul was dealing with in the book of Galatians. And I think we've probably heard that a lot as well, but that doesn't sound so unfamiliar. But I want to say that no, this is not the heart of Galatians. This is not what Galatians is about primarily. Um, the fact of the matter is, is that we can and should discuss grace and law. Not grace versus law. We should discuss grace and law, freedom and bondage, faith and works, spirit and flesh. These are all valid things to talk about, but when we frame them as this versus that, this versus that, this, this goes into what, what Nancy was saying. You're picking a side, or even, I think Joyce said, it, you're, all of a sudden you're, you're having to land on one side or the other. And it's not, quite frankly, it's not the case. Um, and as, as Nancy mentioned, Galatians is concerned with, with legalism and legalizers. And they can come with all kinds, these are the popular names that, are, that have come up with this kind of stuff. Um, but it's not concerned with Judaism and Judaizers as much. Not Judy like Judy over there, but Judy, uh, Jew, Judaism Jewish, right? Not Judaizers. Um, so it's concerned with legalism and legalizers. That is true, but not necessarily as much as you might have thought about Judaism and Judaizers. But specifically, it has to do with the insistence that in order for Gentiles to become bona fide members of God's community, they've got to undergo a formal conversion process. That is really what is really going on uh, most likely in this book. And the issue then becomes, when we look at it that way, the issue becomes, you know, the false idea that God grants acceptance to people and considers them righteous and, and, and upstanding before them just on the ground of their obedience to a set of rules. And now, hear this now. Their obedience to a set of rules apart from, apart from uh, relying on God, loving him, accepting him, and so forth. Because nothing that I said there, nothing that I said in that in that in your notes there, uh, necessitates disobedience to a set of rules given by God. You understand? Like we're talking about the false idea that God gives you acceptance, God sees you righteous based on your adherence to rules. That is what it's about. <clears throat> but that does not necessitate that we say, okay, that means therefore that I must disobey a set of rules. You understand what I mean? Any thoughts on that? I hear a breath. Yeah, I just had a question. Is it, what is it the um, Jewish scholars, was it the Midrash, where they would interpret? That's just a general word for, you know, interpreting or studying, yeah. Okay, so what, what was it that, in general, caused them to make even more rules? Like, they split, like, hairs all the way down to, you know, you, not only can you not do this, but you can't even do this. Yeah. Where, like, where, different places. How do they justify that? Different places. I mean, the, the, one of the things is there's the idea of building a, a roof, or, you know, a, a wall around your roof, right? Not that roof, a, a wall, uh, a wall on your roof, so that if somebody were having in the roof, and they, they, you would be responsible for them falling off. Okay, a parapet on your roof. That is the sort of philosophical idea behind um, putting a fence around the Torah, and we think all oh, this minutia, this, that, and the other. It, it, it's amazing, but even with the minutiae that we already have in the Bible, there are things that really aren't, like, you don't know exactly how you're to do certain things. Uh, it'll say, you know, do this, and you say, well, exactly how do I do that? You know, um, and so, again, what, you know, what in the world does boiling a kid in his mother's milk mean? You know, we can talk, there's all kinds of very high esoteric thoughts about separation and how separation is so important in God's eyes and so forth. But then there's clearly this idea of milk and meat, so here's what we're going to do. Let's just not eat, let's just not eat, put milk and meat together, and then they come up with all the things. Well, we want to have milk. And meat. What if you're a doctor? Can you work on the Shabbat? Yeah, we got to work on that one because God doesn't really talk about that. He says, "Don't do your melacha, your occupation, on the Shabbat." But you're a doctor, and, you some, do. and you're a doctor, and exactly, you're a doctor, and someone's choking. So then they come up with, "Well, let's let's do that." You know, uh, well, we're not supposed to eat this, but what about when you're in the desert and you're going to die? Well, in that case, there's a thing called preservation of life. And so in a case like that, I mean, so you can see where it goes from this. But the, the, the fence around the Torah, actually, I kind of I like the idea because I think it can be taken too cavalier. My friends in here with children can understand. If I don't want my kids to go into the street, what do I say? Don't pass the tree, you know. But the tree's not the street. I know the tree's five feet from the edge of the yard. But then comes the sidewalk. Then, But I know if you don't pass the tree, you're definitely not going into the, into the street. 
That's you know. So there's a lot of wisdom in that, quite frankly. Um, where it all came from and the, and the genesis of it all, it just it goes from one thing to another. If you read Midrash and Talmud, you read these. It's, they have these verbal connections. It'll be like they just go from one topic to another. And we're talking about uh, the traffic today, which makes you think of a car, and which makes you think of Ford. Now we're talking about Ford. Then the owner of Ford, he owns this football team, and then we're, we're talking about the football team. It's like that's how the religious talk goes on. And before you know it, you've got laws, you know. What is Hamotzi Lechem in Haaretz, who brings forth bread from the earth? And now I'm eating a legume. Is that, how does that grow? Because I've got to pray for the one that comes from the tree, so, okay, this is we're eating an almond. So an almond's from the tree. That's not hamotzi lechem in That's you know, So there's long answer to your question. And I'm not an expert in rabbinics, but that's kind of the genesis of how that stuff begins. And sometimes it, it's exciting, and sometimes it's attractive, and other times it's like, okay, that's enough. You know, it's, it's kind of it kind of runs the whole the whole gamut. But again, the point, getting back to the, the issue of being that you know, right standing before God, um, being uh, falsely said to be something that you know is because you're you're basing that on a set of following rules doesn't mean that we are to not follow the rules. That there, there is a both and there. Um, I'm just reading some things from your notes too. You don't have to look down, but you can if you want. You'll have them for later. Um, just some think, things to think about. The idea that you know, to conform or live according to Jewish customs or manners. In other words, living like Jews in and of itself should not necessarily be viewed as being evil or bad. Okay? And I think these are borne out from Scripture. As we go along, we will see these are borne out. These are not just my nice ideas that I would like them to be that way. I think if you're honest with what Paul's talking about in Galatians and the point he's really getting at, it's not about maybe some things we thought it was about before. Um, because as I said, my next point is that Galatians really does not address the issue of Jewish followers of Yeshua maintaining their Jewish practice and identity. I think it's kind of a given. It's kind of an assumed. You know, that's, gonna, that's taking place. That's going to take place. That's not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about this other influence of most likely non-Jews, or even some, there may have been some of the Jews, and I'll get into the reasons for why they might have been doing that, pushing that on people. They weren't talking about the normal way of life, maintaining Jewish practice and identity. Judaizing is a term we see a lot. Um, I put a, this is actually, I think, a quote from Dan Juster from his book. It's not a term to be applied to believing Jews who maintain their practice and their heritage and their call to be a part of the nation of Israel. It also does not refer to non-Jews who have a love and an appreciation for Jewish things. Judaizing scripturally, you see it in Acts 15, it's the view that unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Acts chapter 15, 1. That was the issue there in Acts chapter 15. Um, that's really Judaizing. It, all, it, it's, uh, it is also any position that holds that circumcision and following the call to be a Jew places an individual on a higher plane of spirituality with God that they wouldn't otherwise be able to obtain. Um, so you got to look when you, when you want if, if you want to look for places that talk about you know, regulating, you know, what do I do, what do I not do? Again, I think those are the wrong questions. But how about guidance in those areas? You've got to look at the areas that give guidance in those areas. And I don't believe it's Galatians. I don't believe that's what Galatians is not talking about Jews maintaining a Jewish lifestyle. Uh, you got to look at places, even non-Jews. You're, you're, you're looking at. Uh, places like Acts 15, you're looking at more of the whole corpus of Scripture and, and how, when you read Acts, you look at the context and, well, what did they do? I mean, you see, they're constantly going to the synagogues. They're, who are all their friends? I mean, I'm on, when I'm on Facebook, I look at all my, my cousins and so forth, and I, it's pretty clear. They all got Jewish friends. I mean, you know, I'm not being prejudiced. You just know they are. The point is that's who they're hanging out with. You see the same thing in, in the book of Acts as well. So you can look to those places. Um, in, in all of the discussion on the law in Galatians, because there is discussion on the, on the law in Galatians, you've got to, well, you can ask yourself, but I'll, I'll just tell you, to remember that Paul does not demean the law as a standard of God. He doesn't, he's not demeaning it as, a, as one of God's standards, or I say one of, as God's standards. Anytime he discusses the law, he's not talking about it in that sense. Um, rather, what he's wanting to make sure that everyone understands is that with the I don't want to say addition, but with the coming of, the, the advent uh, of Messiah, that all is and all must be done under uh, the power and under the inspiration of his spirit. That's, that's, that's key. And so as we seek to, to understand and to apply Galatians, we've got to take, take it as a warning for ourselves to look for any ideas, any practices, any people who would supplant the sufficiency of Messiah, who would say, say Messiah is not enough and that the power of the Spirit is not enough. Those are the ideas we have to look for. And I think that ultimately is really what 
when you read down here in verses 6 and 7 where Paul talks about this other, this different, of another sort gospel, this distortion, you have all kinds of different translations there, um, that's what Paul's talking about here. Those things that would seek to undermine reliance on the Spirit, uh, working, working under the power, uh, the power of the Messiah, all those things. Because, you know, heresies, I think I put this in your notes here too, heresies, they are, um, you know, someone told me one time the worst, what are the worst lies? Like someone, someone, or accusations against you. The worst accusations against you, when someone says you know, says something bad about you, are the ones that have a little bit of truth in them. Some kind of, you know, a little bit, something's true, you know. It's not like, you know, someone says, you hit my car, and you're like, I don't even have a car, <laughs> you know. That, that one doesn't bother you as much as, you know, something that, you know, you did this somewhere, and you were there, you know what I mean, and you did talk to that person, or whatever. Those, the ones that have a little bit of truth are the worst ones. And so, you know, heresies, in, in kind of a like way, are... Um, are are usually not out of thin air, you know. They are transformations or distortions of the real thing. Um, so we have to consider, you know, what happens? What are the consequences? Why is it important for us to consider uh, when the gospel is changed or altered for us, you know? And I put some examples here that maybe aren't often brought up in this, in this discussion of what Paul's talking about in Galatians, but what if, you know, what would happen when we, Emphasize, for instance, you know, we're putting we're talking about putting undue emphasis on things, right? Other than God and the Spirit, or whatever. Is it possible? And if it's possible, what would happen if we emphasize that salvation is solely by grace? Now, is salvation solely by grace? Your faith in you? Yes. yes. Can we put an undue influence on that? We put an undue attention on that. If so, could, pe- could people potentially develop a sense of complacency? Is what I put in the notes. Then there. comes James, who says, "Faith without." We could go in a million different directions. I, I gave about three examples here. What about, you know, we say, you know, holiness. Holiness is what it's about, you know? Holiness is an option. Then then we need to ask, if, if anything, what did I say, holiness? I had other ones. Other ones? Any of those things. Uh, you, what if you were to you emphasize so much the, um, the disciplines of, of, you know, quote, unquote, Christian living, for example? You read your Bible. Like Hulk Hogan, to take your vitamin C prayers. Maybe some of you don't know Hulk Hogan. Most of you do. I don't know. Most of you know, y'all, you're talking about saying your prayers and reading your Bible. Um, is that a bad thing? Of course not. But then, do we do we potentially risk neglecting the power of the Spirit in our lives? You know. So, again, to me, it kind of goes back to this idea for which we're trying to determine this or that, this or that. Do I do this? Do I do that? Okay, oh, I forgot to read my Bible. Let me go read that. I mean, it, it, it's got to be on a deeper level. Otherwise, we're going to be chasing our tail and all these kind of things. And if we're not so far off from what, what Paul's talking about in, uh, in, his, in his polemic here in Galatians, you know. And what we need in all of this, and I think this takes us down to verses 11 and 12 of chapter 1, um, which, if you were at, at services two weeks ago, um, the passage that I preached on was in Matthew 16, and this was kind of the punchline when I got to the end. This is what we need in all this, is a balance that comes only as a result of God's grace and revelation. A balanced appreciation of both God's grace and transforming power of the gospel. He says in verses 11 through 12, he says, For I want you to know, this is after he's talking about, you know, he greets them and he says, Don't believe all the, anything else you're hearing about this other gospel and all this kind of stuff, and God help you if, if you do and if you lead someone away. And he says, For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was proclaimed by me is not of human origin. And again, when I read that, I thought, well, does that mean that it's not good to receive it from human origin? I mean, this, again, this is not what he's talking about. Obviously, everyone in this room received it in some way from human origin, God working through somebody. Um, but he says, nor was I, uh, he says, for I did not receive it from a human source, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Yeshua the Messiah. Does anyone remember what I talked about a couple weeks ago with that word, revelation? It's the same word I talked about in Matthew 16, when, uh, when, when, when Peter says, you know, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and Yeshua says, you know, blessed are you, because you didn't come up with this yourself, but the Spirit revealed it to you. It's the same word here. It's the word apocalypto, apocalypsis, and it's the idea of something being uncovered, uncovered by God. Nothing we can simply sit here and teach one another, but it's something that you have to get from God. You need to pray for it, and you need to seek it. And uh, it's just nothing that we can, we can, you know, 
map out on a piece of paper um, when you're talking about revelation, but that is that is what we need um, to get a balanced appreciation of God's grace and the transforming power of the gospel that Paul's talking about here. Any thoughts on that? Don't feel pressure. I can't, I can't keep going. Well, all those things you talk about Christian living, mm. if you don't do those things, uh, it's less likely that any revelation is going to be made to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think of those guys that study Torah all their lives. What are they Yeah, one author was talking about that thing that actually, you know, one one false. I don't think I, I don't think I have it in my notes here, but one of the false assumptions is that uh, that Judaism is in fact a uh, religion of works. You know that it's all about works. And he says, well, try reading some, try try reading. I mean, look at these guys who memorized the Torah. And try reading some Talmudic writing and, and, and reading some uh, some commentary and stuff like that. And you'll see that it's just it's just not correct that, that Judaism is strictly a works righteousness religion. I think we just got to throw that works righteousness, works righteousness, and you know you can say that at all kinds of stuff, but it's not necessarily true. Um, but sure, no one's again. This is there's so much both and. It's not that we advocating you know reading your Bible only. No, we advocating uh, grace by faith. Only talk about that. No. Well, if you're not preaching the cross, then you're not preaching the Bible. You know, like no. Like, this is this is this is much more organic than we like to admit. We like to just we want to check the boxes. We want to know exactly what to do. The fact is, we need God's revelation in all this. There might be a time, and that's all you're doing. You, you wouldn't believe the arguments in these uh, systematic theology books that all are about a thousand pages long. Uh, you know, the table of contents because it's a real quick. Which are we going to start with? Doctrine of God. Without God, there's nothing. No, we got to start with scripture. Doctrine of scripture is the most important. Without scripture, you know, and it's like. No, no, we got to start with the Spirit. We got to start with this, and you'll notice you open up different theology books. None of them, well, some of them have the same order, but a lot of them don't. There's a, there's an, it's an order in which they do it because this one's got to be above this one and all that kind of stuff. Um, and here's the thing, we need to pray for that revelation. And believe it or not, God's not limited. And I believe that that God's uh, grace and transforming power can, in fact, be appreciated and revealed by way of custom, by way of tradition, by way of other things. Meditate, whatever it might be, but it certainly can be revealed by way of custom. Again, we're talking about, I think, trying to take away some of the, the typical uh, thoughts that people think about what Paul's preaching against in Galatians. In fact, um, it could be argued, it has been argued, that a gospel without its Jewishness restored, without the Jewishness of the gospel restored, there's actually a book by that name, Restoring the Jewishness of the Gospel. Without that, it could just as easily be the other gospel that Paul's talking about here. Now, I don't think it is. I think he's talking about a gospel that's relying on just saying you need to be uh, formally proselytized to be accepted by God, but it could be said, it could be argued that not restoring the Jewishness of the gospel is another gospel entirely. You know? Does that make sense? Yeah, because I, th- I think in what it, maybe Paul was worrying about in, in other places saying, uh, we a lot of heresies happen in the Jews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe neither. But it's a lot of different, a lot of things is known in the Bible and a lot of churches mm-hmm. and a lot of through history. <coughs> yeah, it's true. You know, legalism is, is, is wrong not because the law is somehow wrong. Remember that. In that throughout the ages also, your Jewish people you ask a Jew today, you know, a very secular Jew, what it means to be Jewish, and they, they may not have an idea, but a lot of them will also will say, I know I have family that will say, you know, I don't know, but they're, they're, we're the chosen people, you know. Um, and they are convinced that they're God's chosen and elect people, and that this is why they have a right standing with God. So it's not about because we do the right works. It's because we're God. So there is an element of understanding that there's a, there's a, a, a chosenness there. Um, now, that can lead to um, some arrogance and so forth, but they believed in salvation, or they even now believe in salvation by some kind of corporate and, and covenantal participation, knowing that God, God had promised um, them and had imposed upon them an obligation to keep his laws, and that they also did provide them a remedy uh, for when they fell short. And again, just that idea is still present, the idea of being chosen people. It can lead to, to, to arrogance, but it certainly is not the same as the prevailing thought of all, you know, Judaism is a, is a religion of works righteousness, where all Jewish people think that they're, you know, they're, they're, they're saved by their, their works and so forth. And 
again, remember another part of Galatians that's very important. I don't, I don't know if Haim talked about it last week or not. I know we looked at Acts chapter 13. Um, but was there a problem with these believers in, the, in Galatia? Absolutely. <clears throat> do we know exactly what the problem was? Well, we, we clearly think it had to do with, you know, saying you had to, to be right standing to be with God, you had to be circumcised and be an official part of, of the Jewish people. Well, what was the reason? Why does that seem kind of weird to you? <clears throat> the context in Galatians, if you remember, you see it in, in, uh, in Acts. Is, is we, we see the context in Acts, and in several places, when Paul would, was on this journey and preaching in this area, there's a simple fact, simple matter that the synagogues were getting jammed. I mean, just flat out packed. It's like we're meeting this week, and everyone, you know, here's how wonderful I am, and they want to come back next week. And before you know it, there's you know double the people. And then the next week, there's you know people standing in the hallway. At some point, you, you come a little late. Like some people, I don't know, some people come late, not you guys, but, you know, but, uh, but you come late and you can't even get in. All of a sudden, like, this is my congregation. What's going on here? Like, I, want, I can't even get in. There's an actual real human sort of this relation, relational kind of thing that was really going on, that there was a little bit just kind of torqued off a bit because where are these people coming from? And on top of that, the Jewish people had a protected status with the government. You know, they, they didn't have to do idol worship, emperor worship, that kind of stuff. They were protected. They were Jews. And so... Now, all of a sudden, there's a couple things at, at risk here. Maybe, all of a sudden, if they say, oh, I thought you guys had this special little group of yours, you have your small little synagogue, now everyone can be a part of you? Maybe there's a risk that the government says, well, this doesn't seem so special and elite after all, you know? So quickly, we want to make sure, we want to get all these people, you know, we want to rubber stamp all these people and, and make sure they get circumcised and all this kind of stuff so that they can be, it can look like, no, it's serious. We, we take things seriously around here. To become a part of this community is not just, it's not that easy. You can't just show up. And that was, a lot of that was the real, the real stuff that was going on that could have really been the issue, uh, a subtle nuance, but that could be the, the message that, you know, the, the reason that, these, uh, that the gospel was being presented in the way it was because, um, you know, it was a real threat to their, to their well-being and their, their livelihood, you know? Um, does that, anyone have any thoughts on that or does that make sense? It becomes political. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the Romans protected the Jewish religion. They're not protected the Christian religion. Yeah, and all of a sudden. The Christians were persecuted at yeah. that time. Uh huh. Yeah. They changed like that. <laughs> everything changed when it comes to history. It will cycle I love again. history. I say everything changed. It will cycle again too. So, <laughs> yes. There was something I was reading. I can't remember the book right now, but it, it was saying that Jews are the chosen people not because they're just saved just because they're Jews, but because they were set apart to tell the world about God. Mm -hmm. And that was their responsibility. It was a built-in responsibility that because you're a Jew, that's why you're chosen, is you're to go out and witness to people. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I mean, Genesis 12 pretty much lays that out, you know, that this is the, this is the point, you know. And in, in Deuteronomy 7, clearly, I didn't choose you because you're the strongest and all this kind of stuff. I mean, that's clear throughout Scripture now. That hasn't necessarily gotten passed down all the time because sometimes I think one time we were out witnessing uh, it was part of a class we had to do and it was a little uncomfortable it was, more, it was very forced but anyways uh, they were asking people you know, we went to a Jewish deli and they were asking the question oh, what are you chosen for and the question really there's no good answers for that you're not really sure what am I chosen for I mean if you watch uh, Fiddler on the Roof that's more of a question of you know Thanks a lot, you know, that kind of thing. Like, you, know, you think you're chosen. To somebody else. Exactly. It's a negative thing that you're chosen. But the fact of the matter is exactly that, that, there, that there's, a, there's a chosenness. But in, and unfortunately, um, again, that's true, but unfortunately it has led to, at least just my personal opinion, um, of a feeling of, you know, no need to consider even your own Jewish heritage, Bible, or anything, let alone the need to consider beyond that, do you need salvation? So why do I need salvation? I'm chosen people. I've heard that all my life. You know, so it, it's it's problematic. You know, it's problematic. But but yes, political political reasons uh, could also have been the the basis for what was going on in, in these Galatian churches. So I'm bringing up these things because I think that it's it's too easy just to say everything Jewish, everything tradition. 
is a, is a bad thing. Any, any ritual, even rituals, that, that's a problem. I mean, think about the place where ritual was the strongest in, in the Bible. You know, rituals for, for sacrifice and, and so forth. The tabernacle, the temple, right? Where did the Spirit of God reside? Yeah, I mean, is this, if ritual is such a you know frowned upon thing, does that does that make any sense? You know, so it's easy, I think, for us just to say that. Well, Galatians is all about if you're doing anything ritualistic, if you're if you're following laws, you're telling anybody that do anything other than believe, then that's a problem, and that's not necessarily what's what's going on. There could very well have been some things in this particular case that were happening that were just a simple matter of you know, we'd love for the doors to be busted in Yeshua Tzion, right? But that wasn't necessarily the case. In this context, this is a context where, again, the people were, uh, you were at risk of, if you did not worship idols and did not worship the emperor, you were at risk of, you know, of your very life, you know, and, you should, and so forth. And so it was a big deal. So there was those kind of factors in there as well. Um, just, you know, we're not, they weren't trying to grow their synagogues, quite frankly. Um, going back up, I'm going to go just a couple, go over a couple verses uh, before we, we finish here, too. Any, before I do anything, anyone else have anything to say about any of that stuff so far? That you actually handle it? Okay. Mm-hmm. This is that so, um, Book of Galatians actually helps not just Galatians, but helps us in today's society in the last days. I just wonder, long time ago, when I was growing up, we I knew Christian churches, but I never heard somebody Messianic ever. Mm-hmm. Right now, like the whole era of Soviet Union, like they have messianic everywhere like it's like growing churches are growing and messianic congregations are growing so here in US mm-hmm. everywhere like I never heard of that and everybody comes to the same question how do we need to deal with Jews and how we need mm-hmm. to deal with the Gentiles and what should you do and not do mm-hmm. so people come and now I'm completely confused in, in the moment um, do we need the law? Mm-hmm. If I accepted Yeshua and I've got his righteousness, do I still need to follow the commandments and follow the law? Mm-hmm. Well, I already tried that. I woke up a long time ago, but I woke up one morning and I said to myself, I will not sin today. Guess what happened in five minutes? I, I yeah. completely yeah. got broken. And, and I was like, Lord, I need your grace. But the thing is, still, how we need to deal with people, especially with Jewish people? Do do they need to come back to Judaism and uh, do whatever they need to do? Or they need to forget that? Or how you can combine that? I'll say two things, and then I'm going to look at one, two, three, four verses. And hopefully all that together will completely answer your question. (laughs) (laughs) There's lots of them. Here's my opinion. Law of Moses, God's standards, his his hukot, his judgments, all these words that you know, Torah is one of those words, these four or five words he talks about for his benchmarks. None of that is obsolete. None of that has been done away with. None of that is required for salvation. The work you have the work to figure out how that how that plays out, okay? Does that make sense? Hasn't been done away with, it's not required for salvation. Now, verses verse let's go back to verse uh, one and we'll look at verses one. I'll just do one through five. I'm not really paying much paying much attention to two here, but it says, Paul, an apostle, sent neither by human commission nor human authorities, but through Yeshua the Messiah and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the members of God's family, the Jewish people that are with him in Acts, to the believers in Galatia, or the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Yeshua the Messiah, who gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age, according to the will of God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I want to suggest that that is the good news. That is certainly part of the good news, the gospel, that we see in these verses here, what, we see that Yeshua was raised from the dead? That's absolutely part of the gospel? Because remember, Paul's talking about another gospel. He lays out the gospel right here at the beginning. And this is the gospel, the good news. Yeshua was raised from the dead. His atoning death, his forgiveness of sins, salvation, the obedience to God's will. We see it all there in this passage. And the continuing authority, all for God's glory. These are the things which any gospel must be measured up to. Okay? 
if you're wondering what the gospel is, and, and you know, you're, you're asking all these questions, which are good questions, you measure them all up to, to what this says here. When we go down, and then he, then he berates them in the, in, the, in the verses there from 6 through six through 8, you know, how could you guys do this? I mean, I thought you knew better, and, and so forth. Um, and he says in verse 9, he says, As we said before, so now I repeat, uh, so now I repeat, if anyone proclaims to you a gospel contrary to what you received, let them be accursed. Um, here's the thing. All people come to God the same way. Let me, let me, let me actually want to add a little word in there that's important. I think, it's, I think I've got this in your notes too. I've got the important words in italics. All people, got, all people come to God in the same way. In other words, being justified by their faith in God and Messiah Yeshua. Uh, but not everyone comes to God the same way. And what I mean by that is, in other words, not everybody's the same. Not everyone you're asking, what do we do about the Jews? What do we do about the, what do we do about the Indians? What do we do about the whoever? I mean, that's, that's, what, that's what you're asking. Therefore, there, there's, there is a unity in the body of Messiah that transcends all distinctions. But it does not, it transcends all distinctions. But it does not eliminate distinctions. I think your questions, and maybe, I, maybe I'm hearing them wrong, are sometimes trying to level the playing field and eliminate all distinctions and say, how do we, you know, we got the Jews in Russia, but we got Christians in Russia, we got the Greek Orthodox in Russia, but they're all kind of coming to a Messianic congregation. What do we do with them all? To me, almost says, and you may not be meaning this, but almost says, how do we make them all the same in some sense? How do we make sure they all do the same things? Because now the, you know, well, the Greek Orthodox, maybe they're already doing, they're already taking the wafer, they're not doing bread, but now these other guys, they were doing bread, how do we, they got to do matzah. I mean, to me, that you're trying to eliminate those kind of distinctions. So everybody comes to God the same way, through faith, but they don't come, they come, they come in the same way, they come the same way, but not being the same, if that, if that, if that makes sense. Um, that's my parting thought for you. I think uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend to Hein that we, we move on because uh, to getting probably down into, into chapter, close to chapter 2, if not finishing up, because I think there's actually some, it gets interesting when you start reading here in verse 13 about Paul talking about his earlier life in Judaism. In a few minutes, I'll just give you my little preview of this. This is my thought. I haven't fully researched it yet, because I haven't read anyone that thinks the same that I do quite yet. <laughs> but uh, he talks, he's basically talking about his qualifications in Judaism, and I think we see this, and we also see in the passage that Hein preached from last, last week in Philippians, you know, that Paul, when he talks about his credentials, he looks at them as just a pile of garbage. And in one sense, yes, right? <laughs> and I won't give you the other half. You all know the other half. Um, it's a both hand. And he talks about his earlier life in Judaism. And you've got to consider, what is that? And he, he says, well, part of it obviously was persecuting the, 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 the believers violently. And we have evidence of that in Acts. But then this whole other part here, we're talking about how he, how he advanced in Judaism. He was far more zealous for the traditions of his ancestors. And stopping right there for a minute in verse 14, um, I think when, when he says, you've heard no doubt of my earlier life in Judaism, it's both of those things. The idea being that his advancement in Judaism was not seen like, oh yeah, we heard about your advancement in Judaism. Didn't you realize how horrible that was and what a waste of time that was, what a big pile of garbage that was? I don't think they were necessarily viewing it that way. There's something to be said about that. Now, Paul clearly is trying to show that, look, I've got all this, but I do know that none of this without the power of the Spirit to, to do this is, is worthless. But I, I find that interesting that he's got both of those things in there. Versus, instead of just saying, look, you heard about how bad a, how bad a person I was. I think, he's, I think these are kind of the exhibit A and exhibit B. It's like, I was really good and I was really bad. There's both that are in there. And also, in verse 15, I'm wondering if any of your... Any of your translations in this room start off with the word other than but? Four. What does it say? Four. So you have four? Anyone else have anything but but and four? It says when. When? Mm-hmm. There's no but? There's no disjunctive? There's no but. It says when. When the Lord. Four and when. I like both of those so far. I have but when. No, but. I don't want buts. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Here's why. Here's why I'm asking because there's a little. It's a little Greek word there. Uh, it's, it's Kai, the Greek word Kai, K A I or Kilo Alpha Yoda, and 
It's just a conjunction. You heard the old song, conjunction, junction, that one, you know? It's a conjunction, connecting sentences, phrasing clauses. And it's just a conjunction, and it, believe me, not, this is, Kai is not something you're building grammatical arguments on necessarily, but I, I kind of am here because most of our translations say but, and I think that but uh, adds a particular flavor to that, doesn't it? I did all these wonderful things, but, but kind of says, yeah, but all, you know, it kind of puts, the fact is, Kai, when you, when you, when you memorize what Kai means, because it's one of the, in Greek, you memorize like the, the words that occur 80% or more of the time, those are the ones you commit to memory, you have to do for a Greek class, and one of the first words you memorize is Kai, it means, it means, I memorized it as, and even also, and even also, I didn't memorize it as but, there's a, there's, there's a, another word for but, and it's a big disjunctive word, but, there's a couple of them, there's de, and there's Allah, those are both but. One's a big but, one's a little but. <laughs> the word but. Um, but anyways, Kai is always and even also. And so I think if you were to read that differently, I don't know if it changes the meaning for you at all when you say, I advanced in Judaism beyond many, many among my people the same age, for I was far more zealous for the tra uh, traditions of my ancestors. And when God, who had set me apart before I was born and called me through his son, and you move on, I think it's, a, it's not what they call dis disjunctive. It's not... This was all good, you know, but it was but it was trash. Or even if you read it with those other words I heard, um, you would say I was I was far more zealous than I was growing in Judaism. For when God had set me apart, and so forth, or when God set me apart, I think those usually translations are typically usually good. But there are things like this that I believe, and I've yet to read an author that said it this way yet. And I don't know, maybe it's just me, and maybe I'm making too much. I need to email my Greek professor and ask her. But I tend to think that that but. Uh, changes the tenor of what, what he's talking about there. That I think this is important that he was advancing in Judaism. This is all part of it. And it's not just to show that it was all trash. Does that, does that make sense what I'm saying? That's just my, that's, a, that's the cat's theory. I've yet to read it in any com commentary. And even. And even also. If you look at the word, it's, it's the word it's the word chi. And it'll, it'll, it'll have but in there also. It's further down on the list. You know, you know dictionaries, um, dictionaries, you know, will have the most popular word of first and lesser used ones and they give they give examples of scriptures this is still just interpretation even dictionaries are they interpret, even the the greek lexicons are scholars deciding what this word means in the most likely context and this is this is like probably one of the most used words in all of greek so it's very it's a hugely widely used word we have those kind of words in english too that can mean all kinds of stuff you know like so i mean this, anything can mean in different situations but i think adding but adds a commentary on what is going on here so, it's ought to be kind of random there. We had a few minutes, so I thought I would give you a little preview of what I've been thinking about for the, the first time. What language was this written in? Uh, this is in Greek. Okay. They call it Koine Greek, kind of the street Greek, if you will. The, what, we, kind of what was spoken, you know? So. But it was a well-educated Greek. Um, right? writing it, I guess. Yeah, because... Paul, yeah. Did Paul write this one and so forth, but yeah, I mean... The Greek itself was just the Greek. I mean, Hebrew is more varied in that sense because it's a much. It was what we have biblically is written over such a longer period of time that you can see it really changing. This Greek didn't change as much, and it wasn't as sophisticated. And actually, classic Greek that you study nowadays is much more high level like that. But again, it kind of depends who's writing it. Because I mean, there's I know English, but people write English much better than me, so it's like. The English is still the English. Just, they seem to use it better. But when, when it comes to Kai, Kai is just the most basic conjunction that, you know, the king used and the peasant used. So, no, no real difference. So, anyways. Uh, well, is there something in, in Phariseeism that earns men's approval? Because I think he's trying to contrast, you know, verse 10, you know, is he trying to win God's approval or people's approval? Yeah, he gets in and the... There's before, that, that but, it's, there's a before and after. Mm. And he was he was advancing within Judaism beyond many of my own age. Mm -hmm. So is there like junior Pharisee and master Pharisee and senior vice president Pharisee? You know, <laughs> there's, there's division one, division two, division three. There's, there's, he was the Pharisee of the Pharisees. Because as, as, as soon as he, he got called, as, as as soon as God set him apart and called him through his grace, um, he went off to Arabia. He didn't, to see, he didn't go see the emissaries, the apostles. He right. He didn't go to uh, uh, Denver Christian Seminary. Right. He, he didn't. Came back later. He didn't read any books. He, he went to Arabia. Right. And then Damascus. Right. I, what's there? I, not exactly. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that next week as well, too. But, but he, he but went yeah. here from God. 
So hopefully, I don't know if any of this uh, changed any thinking that you might have had. Or, um, that wasn't my, my intention, but I wanted just to bring bring some things that uh, maybe aren't the most common uh, thoughts or teachings on Galatians. And again, we got we got a ways to go. We're going to take our time. I think it's worth it because again, uh, and I think it's worth it to spend a couple weeks just kind of looking at the thematic stuff because your basis for where you jump off from is good. If you're going into something looking for, I want if you're going into this looking for again answers to what do I do, what do I not do, or answers to you know uh, why is he so hard on the Jews. Maybe he's not. Like maybe those are the wrong questions to start off with. Maybe we just look at what's you know what's really at, at heart here. What really the issue is. And again, there is a, there's definitely rebuke here, but it may not be rebuke exactly in the way we uh, we think it is. So, Mr. Steve, would you mind uh, yes. just closing us? Yeah. Father, well, thank you for this uh, proposed letter to the Galatians. We are totally depending on you uh, to to make sense of it for us. We want to follow your law, but we also want to live by your grace. And uh, please be with us every day as we work that out. Amen. Amen. Amen.